People ask me all the time. Where do you like to eat? What's your favorite food? What's the best thing you've ever eaten? That's why we're here now. Not only to tell you what we love to eat, but where you can go get it. So you want to talk about something unexpected? You need to try this dish. I love to be surprised. It's very creamy and it's smooth. It's just perfect. This is so unique on its own. I've never even seen it anywhere else. It's, it's unbelievable. You're just not expecting it. It tasted freaking good. Every once in a while, you come across a dish, and there's things in that dish where you're just, oh, what's that doing there? I would have never thought of that. But the flavors are great. They work. You look at a classic dish like guacamole. You don't have crazy expectations for it. You know what guacamole is. But then I go to Lopez in Cleveland, Ohio, and I get guacamole with blue cheese and sage. Oh, blue cheese and sage, that makes complete sense. You're just not expecting it. But it tastes incredible. And when I had this guacamole, it blew my mind. Guacamole actually originates in Aztec culture. The only key ingredients were really avocados, tomatoes, and salt. Now look at all this stuff we've been guacamole. They've taken the dip to a whole new level. We start by seasoning the avocados themselves with kosher salt, ground cumin, fresh cilantro, and lime juice. Then we fold in the jalapenos, garlic, onions, and tomatoes. You could just dip in that stuff all day. But then to have it with blue cheese and sage, it's unbelievable. And now I even ask for it with a little bit of bacon. He's all about pork, we all know that. <laughs> it really is good. So look at this. Looks like guacamole, smells like guacamole, doesn't taste like guacamole. It's almost like a Cobb salad guacamole. Saltiness of the bacon with the richness of the avocado. The blue cheese gives a little bit of tartness. And then you have that acid in there from the, from the citrus and the sage. It's magic in the mouth. What? You again? <laughs> well, you know. To do to get rid of you. Quit making such great guacamole. <laughs> Lopez has been in Cleveland for 30 years, so I go there a lot. We need more bacon. Now this is what I'm talking about. Happy birthday, baby. Maybe the whole slab of bacon. With a little with... bit of avocado. <laughs> Perfect. It's bacon on bacon with avocado. Well, this is why you're an iron chef. <laughs> I think what may have happened with the guacamole is maybe it was an accident. One spills into the other, next thing you know, blue cheese guacamole. But trust me, it works. Who would have thunk? I love to be surprised, especially like the time I walked into a salt and battery thinking I was going to have some fish and chips. Um, I ended up getting something fried even better. It was a fried candy bar. Totally unexpected and truly one of the best surprises I've ever had. I thought, I've got to tell the world. I've got to tell everybody. Salt and Battery in New York. They are geniuses. So good. It's so wrong. When you think about it, frying a candy bar, it's already a candy bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's just right. It was chocolate. Come on. Well, you know I'm chocolate. <laughs> a Salt and Battery is this place that I just kind of ran into one day when I was really looking for the traditional English meal of fried fish and chips with their french fries. Chips, no french fries. Whatever he was going to fry, I was going to eat it. So when I saw the candy bar on the menu, I was stupefied. I've never seen anyone fry it before that. It was one of those things that I had to order because it just didn't seem right not to. 
basically, you've got an English noise boy, which is the same as like an American Milky Way, and then you're going to flour it. Smart. Make the batter stick. Batter it, and then dip it in the flour, dip it in the batter again, and then just fry the thing for about three minutes. Oh, it smells so good. They're doing something right over there. The only secret thing that we have here is our batter recipe. Could tell you the secret, but I'd have to kill you about two seconds later. Batter is light and crisp and golden. This is how a candy bar should look. Oh, chocolate. <laughs> you take a bite. It's hard to describe, but um, it's like heaven. <laughs> Am I crying? I feel like I'm crying. It's oozy, chocolatey, sweet, crunchy, because the nuts are in there. There's no nuts in here. I just imagined that. <laughs> just gooey. The caramel coming out. Yumminess. Couple that with some crunch and it's warm at the same time. This is amazing. Mm. Okay, deep fried candy bar. Sounds amazing, I'm gonna admit it. But now we're gonna go to something a little healthier. Have this egg dish that will knock your socks off. I mean, when I first saw this dish, I didn't think it was gonna be all that, but it was. When I went to D'Angelo's the first time I had this dish, I was just gonna give my ordinary breakfast. I didn't expect it to be this wow moment, the eggs rose. This is so unique on its own, I've never even seen it anywhere else. I've had poached eggs, I've had olive bread, I've had artichoke spread, but I've just never had them together and I've never had them for breakfast. The inspiration actually, if we had some extra artichoke spread, so we had to use it up. I discovered it because I was pregnant and my partner was pregnant at the same time. I took a bite of that and I went, Oh my God, this is so good. You need to go back inside and get another one to go. Two pregnant women, true story. I mean, we used to get the olive bread there and take it home for dinner, because they make phenomenal bread there. This is not anything that you can teach somebody. You have to feel it. But when I saw it with this poached egg and this artichoke spread, I saw it in a whole new light. So first, we take two slices of the Kalamata olive sourdough bread. Take the artichoke hearts, combine them with the salt, the pepper, and the lemon juice. Put them in the Robocoop and then slowly add the olive oil to it. We'll spread the artichoke spread on the toast. Finish it up with a poached egg or egg white. And then the way I get it, and some arugula. So it's nice and peppery, and that's it. Simple, absolutely out of this world. Oh, good. You're definitely not pretty when you're eating this, but it doesn't matter because it's good. You ready for this? I'm ready for this. Just There's no easy way to eat it. You just dive in. You get that crunch of the olive bread and that really great saltiness from the artichoke spread. You get that poached egg, which is nice and soft, a little bit of arugula, and put those combinations together, and it is so delicious. Cheers, boys. If it wasn't for you, we would have never discovered the eggs rose. This is definitely the best unexpectedly delicious dishes I've ever had. It's difficult to be surprised by food. I think being in the business, we are always looking for that surprise. More so, I think, than your regular consumer. And that's what makes seeking those things out so much fun. It's like going gambling. You never know. I'm gonna talk about prosciutto ice cream. To you, it may sound weird, but at Humphrey Slocum in San Francisco, Jake knocks it out the park. Pork and ice cream. Is it gonna work? It, it's better than works. It's great. The magic of pig childlike playfulness of ice cream, don't knock it till you try it. I go to Humphrey Slocum's every Sunday with my family. You've got flavors you're never gonna see anywhere else. You could get red wine and Coca-Cola, peanut curry, 
My whole goal in life has always been complete world pork domination. I've always wanted to incorporate pork into every part of life. Pork soap, pork cookies. So I brought Jake a prosciutto bone and asked him if he could make a prosciutto ice cream for my restaurant. It just seems like a logical pairing. A lot of sweet things do well with pork. He nailed it. It's absolutely dynamite. I guess he liked it so much that he decided to keep it for himself. These are the prosciutto bones that Chris Cozzantino brings me. I roast them to bring out the richness of the fat. I am going to put the roasted bones into the ice cream base. I put these in the fridge for three to five days, depending on the level of pickiness. A lot of the flavor of prosciutto is in the fat, and we add that back into the liquid. And I'm going to pour it in here. It spins really fast and really cold. In about 15 minutes, we'll have ice cream. I came for my fix of uh, prosciutto ice cream. Perfect. It's very creamy and it's smooth. The texture is just so rich. And you're getting that from the fat. Just enough pig, just enough nuttiness. You're building all these natural flavors that are built into this prosciutto, and you're just transporting them right into an ice cream. Sweet, sugary, cold, porky goodness. It's just perfect. You want to lick? Psych! <laughs> So you want to talk about something unexpected? I have one word. Liverwurst. I'm talking about liverwurst at the Modern, in the Museum of Modern Art, in New York City. And I know it sounds crazy. Oh my God, the thought of liverwurst, this is, you know, disgusting. But it truly is spectacular. I have to be honest with you, I might be a little bit skewed because I do love the liverwurst, but the one at the Modern really just catches you off guard. It's not like the liverwurst you're thinking about. It's not the liverwurst that comes in a can. It's not the liverwurst that you get in a deli. This is something special. This is a really talented chef putting together something that he really loves. It took me years to put that together, and I'm very proud of it. He's taking it beyond the next level. He's taking it to the next universe. We have here pork belly and pork butt. It's going to get blanched in hot water for about 10 minutes. Liverwurst really is just a sausage. It's really just pork and pork liver. The difference between my liverwurst and the other liverwurst that you have out there is the use of veal liver. I think that's the key to this dish. So we have a nice creaminess and a sweetness, and we blend everything together. The caramelized onions, some milk. We add the spices in. There's definitely juniper and clove and nutmeg. And a couple other ones that uh, I usually don't tell everybody. We go with the black trumpet mushrooms, pipe it into casing. It's slowly poached until the terrine has been set. And then they slice it and they take the casing off and they put it on the plate. It's perfectly emulsified. There's beautiful specks. It's something that you can't get enough of. This redefines what you're imagining liverwurst is. Without question, one of the best things I've ever eaten in my entire life. I've had lamb meatballs, but I've never had a lamb meatball like this. These are just naturally flavored, tender meatballs that had a surprising taste. And ooh, I love surprises. This Greek restaurant rocks the meatball the right way. I'm talking about the grilled lamb meatballs at Avia in Palo Alto, California. They caught me off guard. You know what, I always get grilled lamb meatballs every time I go to a Mediterranean spot or a Greek spot, and it's always something wrong with like too much spice, not enough spice, too raw, too tough. I love a meatball that's right, but I love a meatball that's tight. 
This meatball was tight and right. Whatever they're doing, they're doing something right. Today we'll be making uh, sazukakia. Sukasaka? Sakasuka is saka. Which is translation into small meatball. Can we just call it a good, can we call it a good meatball? So we're gonna grind the meat, spring lamb and the shoulder of beef. Some grated onions, some parsley. Dried Greek oregano. A hint of breadcrumbs. Toasted cumin. Some mint. Whole egg. Dijon mustard. A little salt and pepper. All that is blended together to create our meatball that we grill over open flame and that we finish in our tomato compote sauce. The sauce just brought it all together. The sauce and the meatballs complement each other because you get two distinct flavors. You get the natural flavors of the spring lamb and the beef, which blend well with the smoky sweet of the tomato compote with the green olives. The moment I stuck my fork through one of those meatballs, I knew that this was the real deal. It surprised me that you can have that much flavor and nothing overpowered the other one. And then the softness of the meatball. I mean, tender, juicy, succulent, and it melted in my mouth. It was so flavorful that I might have wolfed down that plate of meatballs in like three, four minutes tops. So I ordered a second plate, then a third plate. Then I had to order a fourth time. Four plates. Cuatro. I, I wish I had it as an entree. It would have saved me like embarrassing myself ordering four plates. The meatballs are amazing. It looks strange. It looks inviting. It's like curiosity on a spoon. And I just had to take a bite. The dish I'm talking about is the glazed eel with pickled bean sprouts and a soft-boiled quail egg at Monday Room, which is inside of public restaurant in New York City. That's a mouthful, but it's a tasty mouthful. So the first time I went to the Monday Room, I looked at the menu, which only had about 12 or 15 items, and each one is just one bite of food. I decided to order pretty much all of it. But what stood out to me was that glazed eel. I didn't even think it was gonna be good. I was just kind of like, ah, oh, it's, you know, weird for weird sake. It's not weird for weird sake. It's incredible. It's eel that's dressed to impress. It's got like this gastrique, which is a little bit of sour and sweet put together. It's so inspirational, it can cure my recipe writer's block that sometimes comes along. It's certainly not gonna be the same flavor combinations. Those, those are some odd ones, but they are so good. The ingredients are the eel itself, which is called unagi. It's like charcoal smoked, glazed in a soy sauce, which is sweetened with spices like cinnamon and star anise. And then there's pickled bean sprouts, pickled with cider vinegar, ginger, and a bit of sugar to balance out that acidity. It's just incredible. Some cilantro and some Thai basil. And then the perfectly soft-boiled quail egg on top. Mmm. I cook the quail eggs for exactly two minutes and 18 seconds. You might think that's kind of crazy talk, but that's the way I do it. It's sweet, it's sour, it's salty, and it just glides right down. Immediately, all the flavors come together. Oh, you are going to want more bites of it. The thing about totally unexpected flavors in a dish is that only happens once, the first time you have it. And then you want those flavors again and again and again. Then you're in trouble. It is the best unexpected bite of food. It may be the most unexpected food delight that I've had in the last decade because it was so simple and because it came out of left field. Of course, in the South, someone would fry a black IP. It makes complete sense. But I didn't come across the phenomenon until uh, about a year ago at a restaurant called Relish, where they kind of sprung them on me. And it sounded good the second that I heard it, but I actually had no idea how to put it together in my head what that would taste like. But 
It tasted freaking good. Relish used to be a funeral home. People are uh, dying to get in here. The room that I usually eat in, I, I think, was where the maybe they had shown off caskets. It wasn't downstairs, if you get my drift. One day I go in, and they plop down this mason jar as a spoon stuck into what looks like peanuts. Upon closer examination, I see they are actually deep-fried, black-eyed peas. And I thought, my gosh, what brilliance, what, what conceptual brilliance. I could have eaten a quart. My wife stopped me, but I would have. I would have continue to eat them on through the night. We start with a dried black eyed pea. We let the beans soak overnight and helps them cook faster and become tender. The following day, we take the beans and we allow them to cook with one onion, a few cloves of garlic, poblano pepper, and a jalapeno pepper. Once the beans have cooled, we take them out to the fry station. And in the frying stage, they had come more like fried soybeans almost. So you get this huge crunch. Toss them with a little bit of Old Bay, then finally into a little mason jar for presentation. And I was flabbergasted. I did not know what they would feel like, taste like. And then it, when you, your teeth got to it, it kind of collapsed. <laughs> reminded me of, of stomping on, a, on aluminum camp. And I, I left feeling really jealous. I was kind of bitter. <laughs> Why didn't I come up with that? I'm jealous of a, quite a few of his accomplishments, so uh, maybe we're even. They're awfully good. I wish I'd come up with it. And there's something about this contrast, at least the way they do them at Relish, between the crunchy outside and this kind of almost, almost airy and ethereal interior. It was like a, a really good peanut turned to 11. I would probably be willing to drive an hour just for those fried black-eyed peas. Remember, I'm certain that I would. And I would be willing to bring my own jar because I've got a big one at home like this.